0: Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Heather Ash Amara. Hedda Ash is an award winning author and founder of the Toltec Center of Creative Intent. She has trained extensively in the Toltec tradition under the tutelage of Don Miguel Rios, author of The Four Agreements. Hedda Ash brings an open hearted, inclusive worldview to her writings and teachings, which are a rich blend of the Toltec wisdom, European shamanism, Buddhism, and Native American ceremony. Hara Ash and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how you can transform confusion into clarity and pain into peace and achieve freedom from the inside out from her latest book, The Warrior Heart Practice. Good morning, Hara Ash. A very happy new year to you and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio.
1: Thanks so much, Johnny. It's so great to be here with you and with everybody.
0: Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you as a guest this morning. The Worry Heart Practice is beautifully written from the heart for the heart. It is truly amazing how the transformational book really unfolds itself naturally, and it's almost like walking someone side by side to achieve their ultimate goal in life. So congratulations for that.
1: Thank you so much. So happy to have the book in the world.
0: Fantastic. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment.
1: Well, I was really blessed. I grew up in Southeast Asia. I traveled all over the world as a kid. And When I first came to the United States to go to college, I felt really disconnected. I felt like the people around me were disconnected, but I didn't have language. Why? So Mm -hmm. I got into politics really big for a couple of years. Then I started doing different spiritual traditions. And Eventually, I studied a lot of different spiritual traditions, uh, and eventually I had a dream about a man that would change my life, and that man ended up being Don Miguel Ruiz, who, as you said, is the author of The Four Agreements. So I did a deep dive study with him for many, many years, learning the Toltec teachings. So my books and my writing and my life is really dedicated to helping people use ancient wisdom in modern times.
0: Very, very interesting. What life epiphanies led you to your spiritual journey that culminated into your current vocation?
1: Ooh, one happened really young. So when I was seven years old, we were in India. We were on vacation, and I was walking with my parents down the road. And I remember the thing that I was most concerned about was that my shoes were going to get dirty. And I remember looking up, and there was a young girl walking towards me about the same age. She was also about seven years old. She was dressed in rags. She had barefoot. Her hair was really scraggly. And as we walked towards each other, our eyes connected, and everything else fell away. And I just felt Mm -hmm. pure love, pure connection. And I realized this illusion that we as humans are all separate and different was completely untrue. And then we passed. But my life mm-hmm. at that moment was completely different. And that's really, I realized what I was missing and what I was trying to get back to was that sense of connection and that sense of
0: knowing. Very, very interesting. Were there members in your family that are extremely spiritual?
1: You know, my parents were not when they were, when, when, when I was young, my parents mm-hmm. were both, I wouldn't say they were atheists, but they had, they had both left the religions they were raised in, but they both mm-hmm. ended up becoming Buddhists
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as
1: we lived in Asia. And so they both ended up becoming more and more spiritual as I got older and as mm-hmm. they were immersed in these, these beautiful cultures.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting because Buddhism is a way of life. It's not necessarily a religion. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. realize that. And yes. so it's uh, it's the here and now that counts and what you're doing here and now for yourself as well as others, that basically, for lack of a better term, is who you are.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, and that, yeah. that place of, of learning how to be present, I think that's one of the, just the beauties of, of mm. Buddhism is, is learning how to show up. And as Americans, we often don't know how to do that. We're so distracted.
0: <laughs> and... <laughs> when did you experience spiritual enlightenment?
1: I would say that that wake-up call I had when I was seven was mm-hmm. the crack that really opened my awareness. Now, the truth is I forgot about that for decades. <laughs> I had that experience, and I forgot about it and went about being a kid and doing all the kid things.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't
1: until later in my life that I remembered how profound that experience had been. And that it had always under, you know, been under the surface. Right. Of my own knowing. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say that was the beginning. And then it's been this, this constant, you know, I feel like for all of us, it's like, wake up, fall asleep, wake up, fall asleep, wake up, fall asleep. <laughs> and <laughs> learning how to wake up a little bit more quickly when we get distracted. And when we start comparing or judging ourselves or judging other people, to remember to come back to the heart. And that's really what my work is now is helping people get out of their head and get into their heart.
0: Very interesting. I sense that during that encounter, what's, what's, what we don't realize sometimes is that it's always, yes, do that, don't do that. So in some ways, there's subtle judgment involving the context of, of our conversation. And yet as a child, it's just do it. And the fact that your eyes met, it's sort of like there's no barrier. It's the here and now. You see me, I see you. What are we doing about it?
2: <laughs>
1: yes, so true. And that when we're really present, what mm-hmm. we do about it is love. Like that's what comes out of right. us naturally is we love. Right. That's who we right. are at the core, at our essence. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. so true.
0: Very interesting. Why choose the name Heather Ashe?
1: Mm. So I was born Heather. And mm-hmm. I, one of the first trainings that I took that I got really fascinated by was, was firewalking. So I'm mm-hmm. a firewalk instructor now. And I have a really deep relationship with the fire um, for many, many years now. And so my nickname was Ash. Mm-hmm. And one day mm-hmm. I realized, okay, those two go together. So I brought those two names together. And it feels like so interesting when you find what feels like your name.
2: That mm-hmm. really feels mm-hmm. like
1: it. Suits me in so many ways because it's from my Scottish background. My, my ancestors are from, from Scotland
2: mm-hmm. and
1: from France. So I feel like it honors that part of my background. And then also, for me, ash is about not only, you know, there's a really important ash tree in some of Norse myth- mythology, which is the, the life mm-hmm. tree. So it always reminds me to be back in relationship with nature. And also that everything goes, like everything's going to become ash and that that tree right. is sacred. That too is. That's
0: sacred. right, that's right. So true, and um, it's in in just hearing you is that sort of uh, that small. When I say this respectfully, small doesn't mean size wise, but it's that small mm-hmm. fire that's within you, the flame mm, yes. that's that's just burning, and it's ever so gloriously.
1: Yes. That is so true that all of us have this beautiful (laughs) flame that's unique and identical at the same time.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. My take on the fire walking, I'll be like, Oh, 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 oh." how's for me (laughs) just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've never tried it. You know, I think it's part of that fear thing, you know, or maybe I need to put on some sort of a transparent. Thing that seals my the bottom of my foot or something like that. Say, hey guys, I'm not only <laughs> walking through it, I'm dancing on it. All you know, right? No, I'm That's just kidding. Right. I need to try that one day.
1: <laughs> it's it's an amazing experience, and you know, so often mm-hmm. people that come to the fire walks who are like, "I'm definitely not walking. I'm just here to watch." Right? Are usually right. the first people on the fire. I'm like, "Well, yeah. there they go."
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, i will be the comedic one. She's like, "I i trapped." <laughs> and and trying to get through it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I think it's uh it's a different level of uh, spiritual awareness. And what's fascinating about it, because I did grow up in Asia, and I came to the United States to go to college and was, uh, let's say four months after my 18th birthday. So we kind of mm-hmm. have uh some sort of similar, similar you know, uh, yeah, uh, background from that perspective. And it was quite interesting, because in Asia, religion, per se, and spirituality, and culture all blends into one quite nicely.
1: Yes, yeah, it's so true. There's a harmony between all of them.
0: hmm So how yes. does it represent the spiritual warrior goddess in you? Your name, that is, Hada Ash.
1: Oh, that's a great question. Well, it's for me. It again helps me connect back to my ancestors.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and that remember, remembrance that I'm not separate from, and for me, ancestors is not just my blood ancestors, it's everything, people, mm-hmm. humans, animals, like all of the ones that came before us, because truthfully, mm-hmm. we're, we're living from the the bodies of our ancestors, the soil, the, just everything is from something that's come before us, so the mm-hmm. blessing mm-hmm. is that, and And for me, that's the goddess energy. That's that connection to nature, and to cycles, and to earth. And then the ash part is that warrior focus, uh, the remembrance that there isn't time. (laughs) That (laughs) we are in the present moment now, and everything's gonna die. Like everything that I know is going is going to die. I'm eventually gonna die, and that helps
2: Mm -hmm. for me.
1: That Mm -hmm. is not a morbid thing at all. It's just a reminder: this is precious. So bring right. your full energy to it. You know, Life is incredibly precious, and I never want to be casual about it or take it for granted.
0: Very mm-hmm. very interesting. That's yeah. true. What was the greatest challenge for you before transforming into the warrior goddess that you are?
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would <laughs> say, I mean, I've had many challenges. Like one of the biggest ones was... I went through a really difficult divorce about five mm-hmm. years ago, six years ago now. And mm-hmm. it was right before I wrote Warrior Goddess Training. And it was mm-hmm. actually the impetus that helped me write Warrior Heart Practice.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it was one of those experiences where in my head, I, I felt like, okay, I can figure this out. But I had so much grief that came up and so much, it was so discombobulating for me that it took me a couple of years to really come back into myself and refocus. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. it was in hindsight it was breathtaking and beautiful and I'm so grateful because it created who I am now. While I was going through it, it was one of just the most incredible challenges that I faced in my life.
0: Do you feel that that experience contributed to who you are today because what's interesting about your book The Warrior Heart Practice it is the experiential teaching. I hope that makes sense. Versus we have Absolutely. people that read ten yeah, you know, we have people that read ten thousand books and become a learned teacher versus an experiential teacher, that's who you are.
1: Yes. That is really true. So it really did help me become who I am. And I see this in this is why I bring the, the, the warrior to the teachings is that I from my experiences, when we learn to turn and face our challenges and move mm-hmm. through them and figure out what, how do I need to support myself, what's the old agreement that's holding me back, that we can start to untangle things and get more and more present and clear and loving and compassionate. And through that experience, for example, with the divorce, because of how complicated mm-hmm. it was in a way, mm-hmm. there was a point where I realized I could be bitter and feel betrayed and not trust and not want to love again, and I would have all the evidence to do that, mm-hmm. or I can choose to love more and to be compassionate. And it was a big choice point in my life. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going for love and compassion. And so making that choice to be in relationship to a challenge and choose to use the challenge to strengthen me, to get more of who, to become more of who I want to be
2: mm-hmm.
1: has been an incredible gift, and that's what I want to pass on is how to use our challenges to benefit ourselves rather than using our challenges to punish or hurt or make ourselves smaller. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. I mean, life is a cycle in itself, and then through the experience, I sense that you went through the strength, and then obviously there's a fear, pit, so to speak, and -hmm. then realizing that, wait a minute now, we can have strength and yet still be loving. Strength yes. does not mean being vicious or vindictive. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah. And power for me, exactly. And power is about vulnerability.
0: When you mm-hmm.
1: really claim your strength, that you also claim your vulnerability. And I pu- I try really hard to put that in all my books. That mm-hmm. it's a journey, and then I'm on the journey as well. And so I share a lot of my own experiences, some some of which are really tender. But mm-hmm. I really realized that. I know how I learn is if people tell a story of something they've gotten through and they show mm-hmm. how they did it, that's the best teaching rather than the theoretical, well, here's how you do it.
0: That's right. It's like, yes.
1: here's, here's one way, here's an
0: experience.
1: Mm-hmm. And then that people really resonate with that. I know I really resonate with that. So mm-hmm.
0: Certainly. Why did you decide to write the Warrior Heart Practice?
1: I had a friend who came to me one day and was telling me this story of a relationship that he was in and how challenging it was and the thing that had happened. And he was in so much pain around it. And as I'm talking to it, to him, I was saying, honey, that's actually not what happened. I was there. (laughs) Here's the truth. (laughs) And I would reflect Mm -hmm. the truth back to him. And he would hear me he'd be like, Oh my God, you're right. I've made up this whole story. And then two (laughs) days later he'd come back to me with the same exact story and all the pain And this happened several times. And the third Mm -hmm. round, I I just said, I I opened my heart and I said to myself, is there any way that I can help my friend, this person that is so dear to me, stay in the truth? Because they're hooked on a story. They're in this spin cycle and they can't get out of the story. And the process, the warrior heart practice dropped into my being fully formed. Like I just saw it Mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, let's try this. And that was about five, five or six years ago. So since then, I've been using it with a lot of different people, teaching it to people who have brought it to their friends.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: we've gotten to have a lot of kind of case studies of how really powerful it is, how it helps us untangle those painful stories and get to truth
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that we can be more clear in our lives.
0: Wonderful. Well, the book is beautifully written. It's got reviews in the back of the chapters, as well as you talk about case studies where you do have real people that gave you testimonials to validate what they go through and share their moment of breakthrough or transformational, that little flipped that that happened to them, so to speak.
1: Yes. Yes. Lots of case studies, which is so fun to get to read other people's experiences and see how they were struggling with something and how they were able to then create the space to look at it in a different way mm-hmm. and, and be clear about where they wanted to put their attention going forward.
0: Beautiful. Can you tell us about the big soul and the little soul and how do they dance with each other?
1: Hmm. In the beginning of the book, the first part of the book is what I call the map, the big picture overview of how we got where we are as humans. And for all of us, we have something called the big soul, and your big soul is a part of you that's connected to everything, that's in love, that feels safe and grounded and present. It's a part of us that has access to life, as I think about it. And our little soul, and your little soul is your ego, your personality. It's the part of you that sees itself as separate. And when we're really young, the big soul and the little soul are connected So the little soul feels safe, and it it can go to the big soul and go, this weird thing happened, what do I do, metaphorically? And the big soul is comforting and helps us see the biggest picture. But at some point, the little soul gets disconnected, and it starts making all these rules and agreements of how it (laughs) should be basically to get love, to get it to be safe. And that disconnection then causes us to make up all these stories about who we're supposed to be or how the world is supposed to be or how other people are supposed to be. And it's those stories that cause us great suffering. And, and there's, the stories are also beautiful. There's also some beauty with the stories. Mm -hmm. So what the, the map is, is learning, understanding that, What we're doing is learning how to help the little soul get free and reconnect with the big soul.
0: Very, very interesting. That's wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, and Google Play. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Heather Ash Amara. Hedda Ash is an award-winning author and founder of the Toltec Center of Creative Intent. She brings an open-hearted, inclusive worldview to her writings and teachings, which are, rich, which are a rich blend of Toltec wisdom, European shamanism, Buddhism, and Native American ceremony. Hedda Ash and I are having a conversation about her Remarkable Life's Journey and how you can transform confusion into clarity and pain into peace and achieve freedom from inside out. From her latest book, The Warrior Heart Practice. Heather why is witnessing so crucial in helping to reconnect little soul and big soul?
1: Because most of us are really living from the perspective of our little soul, So we believe Mm -hmm. all the stories we, when something happens, we don't question what we're telling ourselves. We just believe that it's Mm -hmm. true. And so, for example, sometimes the little soul will make up agreements. I'm not smart enough. I have to be perfect to be loved. I need to be this particular way. That's not how I am. And so the little soul's tendency is to compare itself to the idea version of who you should be to other Mm -hmm. people and to to fall into judge and victim. And when we learn to witness, what we're learning to do is step outside of our own story and get curious. What am I telling myself that's not serving me? That's not true. Mm -hmm. So quick example, when I was, when I first moved to the States and people would ask me, where did you grow up? My story was always, I grew up in Southeast Asia. We moved every two years. It was really Mm -hmm. difficult because the first year I was the new kid on the block and I didn't know anybody. I felt really gawky And the second year, I'd get to make friends, and I would start to fall in love with the country we were in, and then we would move, and we'd start over Mm. again. So by the time I got to the States, I felt really disconnected. I was a hard time making friends because I felt like I was going to leave or they were going to leave. And I was shy. I was incredibly shy. So that was my story. And every time I told it, I felt bad. I felt like, oh, my God, I had such a hard childhood. And one day, I, I realized, I'm like, this story sucks. Like, this is not an empowering story. (laughs) And I realized I could tell it a different way. And so I started Mm
2: -hmm.
1: looking at what else was true. Mm -hmm. And then I started sharing. You know, people would ask me, i say, I was raised in Southeast Asia. We moved every two years, which means I was incredibly fluid and flexible. Mm -hmm. I got to see a ton of cultures growing up, fall in love with the diversity of humans, see a, a lot of the world. And so now I'm really creative, you know, so I just changed the story. The truth is both stories are true. Right. But what's also true is both stories are false. They're just a story. Right. So when we step out and witness, we have more choice to go, does this really feel in alignment with who I want to be or how I want to be in the world? Is this serving me? And we can start Mm -hmm. to then change our perspective. That's through the witnessing
0: very interesting. When did you realize that, wait a minute now, I had lived a wonderful childhood life that others are dying to
2: have? <laughs> exactly:
1: <laughs> Exactly. It was a couple of years after I'd been in college, like it was mm-hmm. rough coming back, coming to the yeah. States, yeah. you know as a 17 year old um, right and trying to fit back in and. It, and mm-hmm. It was odd for me because I looked like most of the people around me. I went to a very white college up um, in Mm -hmm. Northern California. So I looked like Mm -hmm. people around me, but I felt really different. And I remember I would see, I remember being in line and seeing a Muslim woman Mm -hmm. um, and like wanting to run up and grab her and hug her. I'm like, oh my God, it's my people. (laughs) Because I just didn't feel like I belonged. Yeah. And so it it was a couple years in that I started really becoming, that I started doing spiritual, started studying different spiritual Mm -hmm. traditions, that I started being able to witness how I was creating my reality by the stories I was telling myself and, and what was true and what wasn't true, what I had capacity to shift and what I didn't.
0: Very very interesting, and then it's taken but I'm
1: sure, me years since then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, life is a journey, so that's very very mm-hmm. interesting. But the beauty of it, though, you had such uh, at a very young age, you had the opportunity to taste the buffet line of life, and yeah. so that a lot of people don't have that opportunity. And I'm sure there's a period of time because I experienced it somewhat in a way, in not a, in a not in a condescending manner, but what happens is that. Do you find that, like, oh, my gosh, I mean, I'm, like, really somehow may not be academically educated as everybody else because I'm jumping all over the place, but the world, guys, you got to get out of that coconut shell kind of thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's the best education ever is go to Mm -hmm. different
0: places, go
1: to different cultures, immerse yourself. Right, Because you right. realize that we do create, you know, we have these, what we think is normal life and it's not. Mm-hmm. There's so much more out there. It's such a huge education. Yeah, I really agree with you, Johnny.
0: What are the four chambers of the worry heart practice?
1: Just like the heart has four chambers, you don't pick mm-hmm. one chamber and say, I like, I like my left ventricle better. Like, that's my favorite part of my heart. You know you need all of your heart <laughs> and that it all works together. Mm-hmm.
2: So the, the,
1: the chamber practice, the warrior heart practice, there are four distinct chambers. And really what we're doing is learning how to separate out these different aspects of ourselves so we can clean them up and bring mm-hmm. them back together again. So the first chamber is the feeling chamber. It's what our emotions, what are we feeling, what's our emotional experience. The second chamber is our story chamber. What am I thinking? What am I telling myself? The third chamber is the truth chamber. And the question of that truth chamber is what do I know is actually true here? And the fourth chamber is intent, which Mm -hmm. is our focus, where we want to put our our attention. And then we circle back. But then we go back through the chambers to start to untangle the story from the feelings. Because what most of us have done is we've tangled the feelings and the story. And when you do that, you can keep a feeling going forever. Mm -hmm. Or we've repressed our emotional body. We've we've said, I'm not allowed to have emotions for whatever reason. And we repress it. And that never goes well in the long run. So it's really Mm -hmm. learning to separate out feelings from story, story from truth get clear on our intent and then come back through again.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so true. And in, when I look at it, there's no one particular chamber that outweighs the other is, but rather situationally, which chamber that you need to be in and the gravity it carries at that moment in time.
1: Yeah, they're all incredibly important. And What I've found is that when we systematically go through those chambers, when we stop, if you're triggered, if you're upset, if something's going on, to start with the question, what am I feeling? Because often we spend a tremendous amount of energy avoiding our feelings. We Mm -hmm. distract, we have addictions, we do all sorts of things to avoid our feelings. And so it takes that warrior courage to go towards and sit and just be with what am I feeling right now? Where is it in my body? And then once we've done that, separate from the story, and this is what most of us don't know how to do, we mostly tangle them together. But when you just sit with your Mm -hmm. feelings, hey, feelings, and you're not trying to change or understand or fix, you're just being with them, then you ask yourself, what's the story? What's the story that I'm telling myself? And you want to be really curious Mm -hmm. to look at the different layers of the story, to be like an archaeologist to start to undo the layers because a lot of times what you think is going on what's mm-hmm. presenting itself is why you're upset or what, why you're hurt or why you're confused is actually something older and deeper from mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. past.
0: So true. Your book talks about exiting your emotions. Isn't exiting our emotions a form of denial in some ways?
1: It is. And it's not that denial is bad. Sometimes mm-hmm. when people have big trauma or there's, there's something that they don't know how to process, this happens to us a lot as a the kids.
2: Mm-hmm. then
1: that, that form of denial keeps us functioning, basically. So it's not that it's mm-hmm. a terrible thing. And as adults, when we go into denial without realizing it, what happens is we start numbing everything. We start numbing our emotional body, our responses. We start disconnecting from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so we need to then face the places that we're exiting, the places that we're in denial about what's actually going on for us and start to name it and be in right relationship with it as I see it, is to -hmm. to learn how to feel the feelings and then clear them out so that we're not Mm -hmm. carrying them around. Often we have this huge backpack of emotions from the past (laughs) that we're carrying around, and it's really heavy, and it keeps us being pulled back into the past.
0: Right. So this process
1: helps us empty the backpack out.
0: Very true. Well, exiting when you need to temporarily and for right now, just clear the plate a little bit and then come back when you're ready to take a second look at it from a different perspective or a fresh perspective. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's a beautiful way to put it. And that sometimes we need space and that you can consciously Mm -hmm. go, okay, now's not the right time. Let me pause and, and come back to this. But if you don't come back to your emotional body, if you're like, okay, I'll, I'll be back, and then you don't come back, you're right. abandoning yourself in a way, and the emotional body starts to not trust you because it's like, oh, mm-hmm. they said they were going to come <laughs> know, be in a relationship with me, but they're not, just like any other relationship. So really, we're learning how to improve our relationship with ourselves
0: mm-hmm. and with
1: our emotional body so that we, we have more trust, that we have more confidence, that we have more presence, that what, that's what happens when you go back into right relationship with your emotional
0: body. Very interesting. How do we create awareness from our messy mind?
2: Mm.
1: First, to, to, to really hold this idea that most of what we're thinking is story. Mm-hmm. And so when we start to get curious about what am I telling myself and and back up and start to watch our thinking at first it can be really shocking. <laughs> I know when, when I was working with Don Miguel early on, one of the things he had us do was take a tape recorder and he said, don't tell anybody what you're doing, but take this tape recorder <laughs> and record what your mind is saying mm-hmm. over the next, you know, I think he even said weeks, so the next month or something. Yeah. And the first day I had like a tape already filled within the first hour or something. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, because <laughs> it was the first time I'd really step back and, and listen to what I was saying to myself. And it was yeah. horrible sometimes, like the amount of comparison, the amount of being in the past or being in the future. And it actually what I ended up terming disaster mind, that most mm-hmm. of us have this incredibly developed disaster mind where we're looking at what went wrong in the past that I can worry about now. And so I don't I avoid it doing it in the present or what Mm -hmm. can I worry about in the future or be anxious about that could happen so we're not here we're not in the present so learning to to become aware of the story at first it doesn't feel better for sure Mm -hmm. but over time that allows you to start sorting it out and looking at what's true and what do I not need to be holding any
0: longer that's true very true. One of the things that we all have to realize, too, the concept of you mentioned there's no right or wrong story. Both stories are right and both stories are wrong. And mm-hmm. it's the total package of us, the authentic us. And so this is very, very important because we are not in that sort of like completely denial that, you know, we're living one half of our life and not uh, and sort of totally dis discarding the other half of our life. That's not mm-hmm. what this, is, this book is all about. This book is about totality and how are we creating awareness from our massive mind. And that leads me to the concept of what you mentioned in the book. Why is willingness so crucial in the truth chamber?
1: Mm-hmm. So what most of us do when we become aware of our story, we start digging the story up and exposing it. We could say it that right. way is that Mm -hmm. when we go to the truth chamber, the tendency is to write a better story and call it the truth. Mm -hmm. And we don't don't even realize we're doing that. We're like, oh, this is better, but it's still a story. So the willingness (laughs) is the willingness to really ask yourself and be honest about what is true and not story. And what I always tell people is there's two ways that you can know something is the truth. One, it's incredibly simple. It's one sentence with a period at the end. And if you have a comma or a semicolon, if you're starting to justify, or the moment you go beyond that, <laughs> that first statement, you're back in story.
0: Right, right, So right.
1: sentence, period. And the right, so is there's a feeling sense in the body. Your body knows. So mm-hmm. even if you don't like the truth, your body will relax. There'll be an opening. There'll be a sense of yes. Okay, got it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: really know we know what's true. Our our beings know what's true. Right. At a deep level. And so it's like getting taking off the layers of the story so we can find that place of truth that we already know inside of us. And that takes the willingness to be wrong. The willingness mm-hmm. to have our story to realize, "Oh, I've been telling myself a story that's not true." And that again mm-hmm. a lot of courage and a lot of mm-hmm. compassion.
0: Mm-hmm. So true. I agree because what happens here is how we realize and accept the fact that makes the difference. And the concept of understanding what you were talking about. Uh, for example, I had uh, mentioned to a client one time when they talk about, oh, I have so much baggage in my life. And I said, how about converting it to luggages?
2: <laughs> and then that nice. way,
0: <laughs> instead of baggage, it's luggages because. Baggage is liability. Luggage is asset. That you are ready to take on the world with all these experiences you have. And uh, my God, <laughs> yes,
1: I love it. That is a great refrain. Yes, and it's so How, true. Sometimes just the one mm-hmm. word that we use creates mm-hmm. all this weight and heaviness and builds this whole story. And you just change the languaging or how you're perceiving it, and boom, it all clears up. So that's a great (laughs) rewrite.
0: (laughs) So true. How do you define intent?
1: Your intent is your focus. It's your 100% commitment of where you want to put your attention and your energy. So it's this pinpointed, this, and I think your intent in this practice is one word. Mm -hmm. where do you want to put your attention? And that might be love, play, compassion, presence. It can be anything. Your intent can be anything. But it gives you a North Star. It gives Mm -hmm. you a place to put your attention and stay steady with yourself as you start going back to unweave the story.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. Can you explain the wisdom of not knowing? And this is I'll tell you what uh, my little thing about that is really kind of neat, <laughs> but I want to hear yes. your explanation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of the things our mind loves is being right and
0: mm-hmm.
1: knowing and understanding. And, and you know, especially in our modern culture. Now we have so much access to information
2: it mm-hmm. makes our
1: mind super happy. Like, okay, I can get the exact right answer and, and be mm-hmm. right. and, So this place of learning to sit in the mystery, to sit in the I don't know, and let ourselves get to the truth, and let the truth bubble up. So as I see Mm -hmm. it, the truth is already inside of us, and it takes us getting still, it takes us getting quiet, it takes us listening and opening and being in the present moment for that truth to bubble up into our awareness. And in order to to get to that place of stillness, we have to be willing to not know and listen to what the truth is. And it can be really uncomfortable and scary. And as you do it more and more, it becomes really joyous to be in Mm -hmm. that space of the unknown and the
0: mystery. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I've always been not necessarily right now. I'm okay with it. I've always need to know the ending. (laughs) <laughs> Any oh, movie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it kills me. Like when uh, I remember, like I got to okay. So what happened in the end in the movie? Did everybody get die or did they fall in love? They married this and all that. It's like no, go watch the movie. Don't don't uh, don't you know? Don't take away the the surprise. you. Oh, so no. Funny. Yeah, I need to know now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to know now, and I can enjoy uh, the movie as good as. Someone is sitting right there and like, oh, my God, this happened, you know. Like, So yeah. I lived my yeah. life that way. I said, I need to know what's the end right here. That's it. And as yeah. I had gotten older, I realized that, well, there's a tremendous amount of wisdom of not knowing. And one of my moms told me, just let it go. Go with the flow and see what happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is such a great story.
0: <laughs> so – How does revisiting our story with the new intent honors our feelings?
1: So once we're clear with our intent, we pick that one word, we then go back Mm -hmm. to the truth chamber. And I like to think about it that we have that ally of our intent. So we have this new support system of that one word. And then we have what we can see of the truth, that experience Mm -hmm. of what's true in this moment. And then we walk back into the story chamber and start to look with new eyes. And you now have these two perspectives of what's true, what's my intent. And when you bring that into the story, instead of feeling buried by the story or struggling, you now ha- have this almost like a platform that you can go, okay, let's look at mm-hmm. this. And you get to be creative and open hearted and really present with yourself so it isn't like this is a bad story. It's just like, okay, well, what do I do with the story? So mm-hmm. it actually becomes fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I so much see this process is really about learning to be more intimate with ourselves and get, getting true. to know ourselves so that we're befriending ourselves rather than always fighting or being almost an enemy, which some of that can happen to us as well. We start going against ourselves through our own criticism and frustration and judgment. And this practice helps us to fall in love with the story in such a way that we're then able to change it if we want to, rather than just being driven by it or buried by it.
0: That's true. That's very true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. My guest is Heather Ash Amara. Heather Ash is an award winning author and founder of the Toltec Center of Creative Intent. She brings an open hearted, inclusive worldview to her writings and teachings, which are a rich blend of Toltec wisdom, European shamanism, Buddhism, and Native American ceremony. Heather Ash and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how you can transform confusion into clarity and pain into peace, and achieve freedom from the inside out from her latest book, The Warrior Heart Practice. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Heather Ash, please tell us about the art of stalking ourselves. I love the word stalking. (laughs) Isn't
1: it great? I do too. If you think about a big cat, a big cat will stalk its prey over days, so they know where Mm -hmm. it sleeps, where it feeds, they know all the Mm -hmm. patterns. And then they'll attack. And what we want to learn to do is stalk ourselves so that we're tracking, we're watching, we're witnessing our thoughts, where our thoughts go, what the patterns are, that we're, we're witnessing and, and stalking our emotional body, where we tend mm-hmm. to go emotionally. And, again, we're gathering data. We're gathering mm-hmm. data. And as you gather data about yourself, you start to see the patterns, the flow, and you learn where you can be most efficient in creating change. And so instead of like just taking action, you're like, okay, wait, let me get the lay of the land. Let me understand. Let me learn more about myself. And then when you do take an action to change something, or when you do, let's say, go back into the story, you can pull one piece out and the whole thing can fall apart because you know this is the most important piece or this is where I get stuck the most. So it makes you much more efficient Mm-hmm. And it's a really amazing way to be in life, is that you're, you're opening your awareness so that you're stalking and witnessing everything, your interactions with the world and your reactions to the world.
0: So true. And it's a form of validation, no question about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, because you're learning as you go along, and, and we get out of, life should be this way or I should mm-hmm. be this way and we start really coming back into relationship with this is who I am mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that we remember that we have a lot more power than we understand and I think that's one of the hallmarks of stalking yourself is that it puts responsibility and power back with you and responsibility not in I'm going to punish myself if I do something wrong which we sometimes do with responsibility but that place of I'm responsible for my actions and for my, and the consequences of my actions. Every action has a consequence. Right. And as we start to stalk ourselves, we start to really be aware of when I do this, this is the reaction. I can't change other people's response. Like I'm not responsible for other people's dreams. It helps right. us to separate out who we're actually responsible for. And so mm-hmm. many of us are busy being responsible for everybody else but ourselves.
0: Right. And again, it comes back to the concept of the intent, because if your intent is noble, regardless of how they take it, that's not your problem.
1: Exactly. And you really understand that. Like, I'm clear with what my intent was. They didn't Mm -hmm. take it that way. But you you feel clear. You're not upset. I mean, it may be difficult, but you also know I did my best. I was clear. And I love this, too, about being a warrior of of having this understanding of the responsibility and the consequences. If you're willing to deal with the consequences, whatever they are, you'll show up with Mm -hmm. it. And I found Mm -hmm. for myself, it's just allowed me to really be present with people and where they're at and Mm -hmm. listen to where they're at and, and be incredibly compassionate because I'm able to do that with myself now.
0: Wonderful. Your book talks about the three intentions. What are they?
1: those attentions are about our, how we're in relationship with the world. So most of us, when we're, I should say all of us, when we Mm -hmm. are first come into the world, we learn how to be in relationship with the world based on what's being reflected to us from our parents, our culture, our religion, and that's called the first attention. So we create Mm -hmm. our reality based on what we learned, what we think is supposed to be based on what we've learned. The second attention is when we start to step back and realize, oh, reality could be different. And, you know, a really simple example, if you have somebody that was raised in one culture and they've learned this is the way the world is, and then they travel, you know, just to follow Mm -hmm. through what you and I have been talking about, and suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, that's not the way the world is. There's so many other Mm -hmm. options of how Mm -hmm. we can be in relationship. So, The second attention is really powerful because we take our energy back and then we choose where we want to put it, how we want to create our dream. And Mm -hmm. that's the second attention. The danger in the second attention is sometimes we then get really dogmatic. We're Mm -hmm. like, this is the way the world is because now we've put energy into it consciously. So we have to be really careful. Uh, And the third attention is that we're incredibly fluid. We realize that there's no one way to be. And we show up with life in life terms and we're experiencing and open and fluid. And there aren't those, this is how things are. It's this is how it is right now. And it could change in a moment. So there's a lot of freedom. Really third attention is you're back in relationship with your big soul and the biggest point of view possible in relationship to life. There's a lot of spaciousness and love and play when you're in that part of the third attention.
0: That's wonderful, beautiful. By the way, I may have mentioned intentions instead, but it is attentions. And the way you have explained it, I think it's very, very important. people need to understand that this is the foundation, the framing of what you're trying to get accomplished here. Correct?
1: Yes, exactly. It is. We're really learning how to step into the third attention. While we also hold the first mm-hmm. and the second. So it's so it's tricky whenever you have these levels because then people are like, well, the third intention is the best and anything else <laughs> is bad. And it's like, no, the third intention embraces the first and second and understand right. sometimes, sometimes you're in the first intention, sometimes you're in the second, but we're moving mm-hmm. towards that incredible place of connection and fluidity right. and presence that the third intention helps us to attain.
0: Wonderful. Is it easy for us to continually keep integrating the warrior heart practice into our life?
1: It is once you start doing the practice. And so at first, it can be, you know, what I've seen with most people that work the practice is they have a lot Mm -hmm. of inspiration and insights as they do the practice. And what I remind people is that it's not called the warrior heart finish. It's called the warrior heart practice which means you have to keep practicing it in order to keep untangling. So sometimes we're like, I just want to do something once and then I'm done. <laughs> and we have a lot of things that are tangled up. Right. And so we have to keep being aware and stalking ourselves and opening up and adjusting as we go along. And so it's the practice allows us to do that. And what I found is it becomes easier and easier. Like mm-hmm. things that would have taken me literally months to untangle. I can untangle now in like 15 minutes Mm -hmm. just by sitting down and walking myself through what am I feeling? What's the story? What's actually true? What's my intent? And then going back again.
0: Very, very interesting. What is your favorite agreement of the Warrior Heart Code?
1: Oh my gosh. There are seven different agreements in the Warrior Heart Code and one of my favorite ones is the one about responsibility, about taking mm-hmm. responsibility for self. And, and for me, how I found how much freedom that gave me when I took responsibility for how I was creating my life and what I wanted to bring my attention to. So that's one of my favorite ones.
0: Very interesting. Well, you're really taking ownership for every action that causes reaction.
1: Yes. Yeah. And letting go of being responsible for other people. Mm-hmm. but also caring and having compassion right. for them. And that right. allows us to show up in a way that we can't when we mm-hmm. put the responsibility outside of ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, what I get from it also, because you are the originator of the feelings and actions versus on receiving side, even on receiving side is how you react. That makes a difference.
1: Yes, exactly. And we've learned often you're making me feel this way.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's, it's a concept. I mean, when, when you say that you're like, Oh, right. Okay. I'm making me feel this way, which is easy to intellectualize, but can be much more difficult to really bring that awareness and that understanding into your being. So yeah. as we do the warrior heart practice, it allows us to really see how our story is causing us to respond to the world and that it's happening from the inside and that, when we really get oh i can change the inside the outside's going to be what the outside's going to be you no know, we put so much energy trying to change other people or change the situation and when we take our attention and say let me change my response to it then right. we can be much more effective that's just the truth much more effective
0: wonderful how has composing the various warrior books contributed to your spiritual journey
1: Oh, my gosh. So profoundly. Every time mm-hmm. I write, I'm really writing to myself. I'm writing a love letter <laughs> to myself. <laughs> and, <makes> me hard. <laughs> and it's a blessing to get to share, to share for sure. And mm-hmm. so every time I learn more about myself, I learn more about how to show up. And And I also, you know, there's such a gift for me of like this book, The Warrior Heart Practice. I've been working on it for six years, and I mm-hmm. feel like it's the book I was here to write. It was the book I was meant to write, and it's so funny because before the book got published, I would be on a plane and there'd be turbulence, and I'd be like, I can't die! Oh my god, I can't die right now! I have to finish the book.
2: <laughs>
1: and the moment, like, I sent the the final draft to my publisher, the next mm-hmm. time I hit turbulence, I was like, okay, I can go now. Like, I've done my work. And I'm happy I get to stick around and birth it and bring it into the world. But there's a sense of completion in my life now, which is really beautiful. I feel like I've, I've done the, the most important piece. And now I get to stick around and play and continue to share it as widely as possible.
0: Wonderful. What are some of the steps that we will need to take to help us in getting clear on our intent?
1: Spending more time in stillness. So I think about it this way. Most of us have a lot of gaps in our lives. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I consider a gap, like I'm waiting in line to get coffee, or I'm driving to work, or I'm walking down the hallway to go to the bathroom. And in those gaps, what most of us do is fill them up with checking Facebook, do people like me? thinking mm-hmm. listing all the things that we need to do like we fill all those gaps up and it doesn't allow there to be space and so mm-hmm. to help you to get more in relationship with your intent if time you have a gap in your life you start practicing don't pick up your phone <laughs> don't think <laughs> don't make lists just mm-hmm. be in between just be quiet right. just go into mm-hmm. stillness and what happens is that as we do that the wisdom of our being starts to wake up so instead mm-hmm. of piling information on top of ourselves constantly, we're starting to take information off. We're starting to just open and we become relaxed, more relaxed, let's say. And then our intent, mm-hmm. we start to get clearer of our intent. We're able to listen to the deepest parts of ourselves. And that's what allows us to then connect with intent. Because mm-hmm. intent is there's, there's what I call little intent, personal intent, and then there's big intent, capital I and our little <laughs> intent is, I want this. I want to put my focus on this. And then there's the intent of life. And in, life has intent. It has, it has things it wants. Um, and mm-hmm. we can call that life. We can call it God. We can call it spirit, whatever you want to call it. There's this larger flow. And when mm-hmm. you align your intent with intent of life, things move much more quickly. And that takes being available to life, to listen to what, how life wants to move through you.
0: Very, very interesting. Where can someone go to get more information about you, buy your books, and keep up with your latest happenings?
1: The best place is my website, heatherashamara.com. And I'm also on you know all the social media, Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook. What's that other one called? Facebook. So, yeah, you can go to any of <laughs> those places. But the website is <laughs> very thorough. There's a lot of resources and a lot of guidance on the website.
0: Wonderful. What is next for you?
1: I'm doing this such a nice cycle. I am in Davis where I went to college and tonight I'm doing a book signing here at book launch, the last of the book launch parties. And I realized I started teaching here 32 mm-hmm. years ago. So it's a beautiful cycle. And then I'm off for a month to get ready to create space to listen to mm-hmm. what's next.
0: Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Tell us a little bit about your Toltec Center.
1: The Toltec Center was something that I created in 2001. It was a nonprofit organization, and we had a community in Berkeley, and then I moved to Austin, and we had a community in Austin for many, many years. So right now I'm on the road, so I don't have a physical community, but I just (laughs) bought 180 acres outside of Santa Fe. So eventually we'll recreate a space where we can gather and be in nature and do this work. So I'm excited about that.
0: Wonderful. By the way, we're closing the show. And since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning?
1: Mm, I love this. It's so great. So my recipe for living is to combine doing more of what you love Mm-hmm really feeling, what do I love? Do more of that. And then mix that with cleaning up the old agreements and beliefs and stories that don't serve you. And when you bring those two ingredients together, it allows you to craft an incredibly beautiful life. The world The word Toltec means artist of the spirit. And so we're really here to create the, the beauty of our life, to be the artist of our life and create it in the way that we want to. So I think those two ingredients mix together, do more of what you love, clean, create an amazing life.
0: So basically start every day with a blank sheet of canvas. Yes,
1: exactly. I, I love <laughs> that somebody once told me this is to imagine waking up and saying to yourself or saying to your partner, good morning, yeah. beloved, who are you today? <laughs> and that sense of like who do I want to be today how do I want to be in the world we get to start over every single day learning how to be artists mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. beautiful Hello Ash thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on from my mama's kitchen talk radio to all our listeners please join me next Tuesday morning January 21st my guest will be Kristen Gracie McGarry Kristen is an internationally recognized author and speaker on health and lifestyle. She is an authority on autoimmunity and functional blood chemistry analysis, thyroid and gut health, alleviating pain, and using food as medicine. Kristen and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, Holistic Cato for the Gut, for the Health Gut, for the Gut Health, I'm sorry, and her upcoming book, Know Your Blood, Know Your Health. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Heather Ash, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed new year.
1: Thanks so much, Johnny. Take good care.
0: Thank you. Bye bye.